0: Uh, as Alex said, it's Father's Day, but it's also a couple days after Juneteenth, and, uh, you know, we, we set out months ago, and I, I brought this up, uh, you know, at the beginning of the sermon, and I'm doing it for a reason, and I've done it for a reason in the past, is that we just set up that we we're going to read through the Bible. The passages that we're reading through this next week are First and Second Chronicles and Ezra, And we had actually done this before, and before I had picked, you know, this was, I don't know, quite a few years ago, had just picked that, well, whatever reading we'll do that week, I'll start off with a passage from the beginning of that reading. And this time around, I've just thought, for no particular reason, I'm just going to pick a passage at the end of the reading this week, and so that's what we've been doing. And, And the only reason why I bring that up isn't just to convey information, it's because When we come on Sunday, our hope is that God is going to tell us something. And when we come to the Bible, our hope is that God is going to tell us something. And sometimes we think of a service as just sort of being micromanaged and people pick things. But, you know, people do what people do. But but God brings us to passages. And I only bring that up that we set this all up to reinforce that hope that I really do feel like God has brought us to this story of Ezra and God timed for this story of Ezra to be read about this next week, uh, the week after uh, Juneteenth. And the reason why it's applicable and there's a connection is because the story of Ezra is very clearly, a story of God giving freedom to a people, and that's what we're looking at today uh, in the story. But a day today in our lives, and today as a nation, and we're looking at uh, Ezra. We're picking it up in the middle of the story, and it's appropriate to start in the middle of the story because as God is giving freedom to African Americans. We're not at the beginning, and we're not at the end. We're somewhere in the middle. And I think that this story of God giving freedom to a people, I want to say will help us, but I think maybe a better way to say it is that I think God has something to say about it. And the first thing that we look at in the story, there's a lot of different names there. But the thing to pull out of it is, is as God is giving freedom, this isn't something that the Persian government was giving to them. This isn't something that the Persian people were giving to them. This isn't something that Cyrus, king of Persia, was giving to them. It's something that God is doing. And God was going to do it, whether everyone gets on board with it or not. And that's where we started reading with... uh, Israel, when they first became a nation, and he brought them, was giving freedom out of Egypt, it it doesn't matter if a country resists it or not, God's going to do it, because it's a work of God. And what you see in here is the choice that people have is not to give freedom or not to give freedom because God's going to give it, because God's chosen to give it, and God's going to give it, and no one's going to stand in God's way. The only choice is that you see people here, some people, one group is causing terror, causing people, the people that God is giving freedom to, they're causing terror to that group. And then there's another group of people that's mentioned, uh, these different craftsmen, Uh, Cyrus of Persia. And if you look at the beginning of the the chapter one, it says that that other people were encouraging them. And and when you look at the thing that they were terrified of the people in land, you ask why were they terrified? You find out in the next chapter, it, it says the people in land, the people that were opposing the freedom that God was giving were using tools of discouragement and fear to try and stop that from happening. And and they're actually lists off a bunch of other tools, all of which are being talked about today. And and you could preach a whole sermon on that. And and if you care to look through it, look through what they, what they do and read through that chapter and you can try and see how that relates to tools that are used today. But but the, it's, it's just not that complicated it's as simple as this god is the one who gives freedom and when it's clear that freedom is being given it's a work of god and so we have a choice then to either stand with god in giving freedom stand with god by being finding some way to be an encouragement or we can stand With those that are causing discouragement there is no middle ground but the starting factor if you care about god if you feel like god has saved you if you feel like god has loved you if you feel like god has forgiven you if you feel like god has done anything in your life and you want to show any kind of respect for god look at what god is doing and the clearest indicator of what god is doing Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Look for where freedom is going out. And then the choice is to be an encouragement or a discouragement. Now, why is that such a hard choice? Because we keep finding reasons why we feel like, I just can't be an encouragement. And we get this reason, or this reason, or this reason, and we just think there's this fact, or that fact, or this fact. All of that is completely, has no meaning whatsoever, regardless of what it is. The only thing we need to think about is, what is God doing? And if God is giving freedom, it's our choice to either stand with him, to give encouragement, or to give discouragement. And the problem isn't the arguments, the problem isn't facts, the problem isn't logic, the problem isn't how to think through this. The problem is in our heart. And how we see that this uh, plays out, it it doesn't start there. It's very interesting. Maybe I'll just read this at the very beginning. Ezra chapter 1. It says, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia. It started with God moving the heart, changing the heart of a single person, and it wasn't just a single person. He went from there, from that person, and it says, all whom God had moved their heart, a few verses later. He starts with changing the heart of a single person and moves corporately to changing the heart of everyone that's around. But it doesn't even start with that changed heart. He says, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by, what he's saying is, is it started with God's promise. God's promise was the start, and then God came in. Cyrus didn't change his own heart. God came in. Jesus comes in by force and changes our heart. But then our choice is we find all sorts of reasons why we need to harden our heart. And we do that all the time with all sorts of things. God will move in and start to soften our heart. And then we find every reason we can think of why we need to close it down. And you say, well, I'm not trying to be discouraging. If you have a hard heart, you can't help but be discouraging. And I give it to you that you're not going to be able to. But if God is changing it and God is stirring your heart. Embrace it. Ask for it. I, I People are starting to see that this is a problem, that that it's not, we, we need to change laws, we need to do a lot of things, and those things are going to be done. But we need a change of heart. And people are bringing that up. Cyrus, there's nothing about Cyrus that says Cyrus was a good person. There's nothing about Cyrus that says he was a believer or that he was, there's nothing about Cyrus that says anything. All it says is God stirred his heart and people in and out of the church, religious and not religious, people that believe in God or don't, people are seeing that there's a need for a change of heart and Jesus is the one who's been talking about this. This is what, this is why every Sunday we talk about. And it's not because a change of heart is just left there. It's because a change of heart moves us in a direction of encouragement, moves us in a direction to come alongside the work of God in giving freedom. Now, How does Jesus do it? Jesus says, the first thing that God does when he starts to move our heart is he moves our heart to repentance. And you know, part of the problem with the church is we just think, well, okay, I repented and now I'm gonna move on. the problem with that is we haven't repented. (laughs) And it's not just on matters of race, it's with anything. We've maybe touched on some sort of aspect where we feel like there's some amount of repentance. We don't have any, we're not even cognizant of all the things that we need to repent for in anything in life, and most certainly in terms of race, most certainly in terms of a nation that has pulled people into slavery, you don't just, it's not something that you just move on from. What what we see here in the story, and I'm going to keep this short because I really think it's just as simple as this. Where do you see freedom being given? God's giving freedom. He's softening our hearts. Don't harden our hearts and find reasons to give discouragement. Encourage. Find some way to encourage. But there's an important lesson that's seen here at the end as we look at this. It says, With praise and thanksgiving they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And you could very easily replace the word Israel with saying he is good. His love towards those that he gives freedom to endures forever. And all the people gave a great shot and praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. A lot had happened previous to this. And a lot was going to happen as you read through the rest of the story. But the end result was God brought them into the land. God gave them cities to dwell in. God built a foundation uh, for his house. And God built the temple of his house. But the house that was being built was not a house or a temple made with human hands. It's something that is referenced to Jesus, to what Jesus is doing It to us in our heart, that when we repent and we turn to Jesus, that he atones for our sins and he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is God dwelling with us in our hearts. But what it says is the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. It was a lot of people making a lot of noise. <laughs> when freedom is being given, a lot of people make a lot of noise and it's an indistinguishable mix of joy and weeping. And the only differentiation that's seen there between What's happening with the weeping and what's happening with the joy is the word older. For some of the people, they were at the end of their life. And this struggle was a lifelong struggle. And and others saw it and, and just rightfully grabbed a hold of it with joy because there's so much joy that's there when we join in to God giving freedom. Why would we even want to make an excuse to be discouraging? Why would we even want to make an excuse to close our hearts? Why would we do that if God is willing to step in and give us freedom because he loves us? but it was a lifetime. Some people there, this building of the foundation was a culmination of a lifetime of prayers, a lifetime of struggle. We can't think of things in terms of here's a problem, it's going to get solved this week or the next, and then we're going to move on. It doesn't work like that. You don't just move on. You can't just cause this much pain and suffering and then just move on. And that's not just true for uh, the struggle for freedom and the gift that God is giving in terms of the effort. It's it's, it's every aspect of freedom that God gives. It's a lifelong struggle because we're just so resistant. We find so many reasons to resist rather than just embrace. And we cause so much pain and hurt in the process. The struggle for freedom It lasted a lifetime of people before many generations. And there's, and we should be ready to spend our lifetime on that too. And I know that's a cause for weeping, a cause of difficulty, but it's also a cause of joy because of the promise of God and because of what we've already seen God doing. Because we're not at the beginning of it. We're in the middle where we're already seeing what God's doing. And it's a hope that God has promised he's going to give freedom. He's already started to give freedom and that God will bring that to a conclusion. But because of our resistance, it's a struggle. But the hope of rest when we move on, we'll move on in heaven. But for this day, we need to take on the mantle of repentance. We can't let go of that. How could we let go of that? Yes, God gives redemption. Yes, God gives forgiveness. But the effects of what we have done are lasting in this life. We haven't come to full grips with what it is that we need to repent for. There isn't anything in this life we've come to full grips with in terms of what it is that, that we need to be repented for. But we need to wake up each morning willing to repent, anxious for God to soften our hearts, praying for God to give freedom. And when we see God giving freedom to a people, we can join in by praying that God gives us some way to be an encouragement. Praying that God will keep us from being a discouragement. Pray that God will continue to soften our hearts. Pray that he'll prevent us from hardening our hearts. Pray that we'll be able to join in to what's already been a lifelong struggle. But hold to the hope of God's promise. Hold to the freedom that we've already seen. And the reason why we look through the Bible and we look to Jesus is Jesus is the only one talking about this. It's good that people are realizing we need a change of heart. But Jesus is the one who's been talking about it. Jesus is the one who leads us down this path. And we're looking to him to help us down this path of a changed heart, down this path of being an encouragement, down this path of being a part of freedom being given. Because it makes a difference. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the promise of your freedom the promise that you've given to the African-American community that you've been bringing forth. We thank you for that promise of freedom as it applies to us too. But Lord, I pray that you would come in by force and soften not just one or two people, but you really break it out. As it said here in Ezra, to everybody that is around those that you're giving freedom to, that you would stir their heart, stir our heart to be an encouragement. And don't let us fall to the schemes of the devil in giving us reason and cause to harden our heart and to become a discouragement. We pray that you would do as you've promised and bring freedom. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.